Hello, welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find me on live to 110.com. Only go there if you plan on living a really long, healthy life. <laughs> and you can find this video podcast on my YouTube channel, Wendy Live to 110. Today, we are having Dr. Brian Mole on the podcast. He's going to be talking about how to reverse diabetes. This is very close to my heart because my own father died of the complications of diabetes following a surgery to remove a cancer tumor, and he was not able to heal. And this is a very common complication of diabetes, and diabetes affects so many people. It's projected to affect one in two people. So it's you have to educate yourself about diabetes, and you can do that in the upcoming Diabetes Summit that's hosted by Dr. Brian Mole. I was very honored to be asked to be a presenter. Of course, I talk about how mineral deficiencies and heavy metal toxicities do contribute and can play a large role in causing diabetes. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment today that we suggest on the show. And fittingly, for a diabetes podcast, I wanted to talk about a couple supplements uh, that I recommend to clients who are having blood sugar issues or insulin resistance. One is one of my favorite ones. <clears throat> it's called Support Glucose by Biomatrix. Um, it's a wonderful product. It's got chromium in it, which is essential to help pancreatic function. Um, Gymnema, uh, this is a fantastic supplement that you know reduces sugar cravings. And it also uh, aids in uh, improving blood sugar levels as well. One of the, uh, the catch-22s of having diabetes is because the sugar isn't getting into your cells, you crave sugar. And this is uh, one problem that I personally was having for a little while. And I was taking Gymnema uh, to, to help to, to reduce my sugar cravings. And it works beautifully. It's unbelievable how this Ayurvedic herb helps to abolish sugar cravings. It's unbelievable. I personally take the standard process Gymnema. Uh, when I was taking it, I took uh, standard process Gymnema. Um, but it's good to take uh, supplements in a formula like support glucose where you get several products, several ingredients that help to control blood sugar levels and diabetic, uh, um, diabetic issues. Um, some other things in it are cinnamon, of course, that's well known to help blood control blood sugar levels. Um, alpha lipoic acid is very protective of your brain. And bitter melon, again, uh, one of those uh, foods that's known to help to control diabetes. So highly recommend it. Our guest today is Dr. Brian Mole. Dr. Brian Mole is the founder and medical director of Sweet Life Diabetes Health Centers and serves clients worldwide as the diabetes coach. He's a certified diabetes educator and was one of the very first doctors to be certified to practice functional medicine by the Institute for Functional Medicine that is, was created by Dr. Mark Hyman. Since 1998, Dr. Mole has been helping people with all forms of diabetes properly manage the complex health conditions. Additionally, with type 2 diabetes, prediabetes, and metabolic syndrome, his goal is to not just manage, but to reverse these conditions using a natural, personalized lifestyle approach. Dr. Mole has spent over 20 years studying and applying clinical nutrition, physical activity, lifestyle management, functional medicine, and diabetes self-management education. He is the host of the popular Diabetes World Summit. There was one last year, and there's a second one this year. And he's also a prolific writer, blogger, and speaker. In addition, he's written hundreds of articles about diabetes and natural health and has been a featured speaker and contributor on diabetes around the world. Dr. Mould treats his clients locally in the greater Philadelphia area and nationally through his acclaimed Diabetes Coach program. Well, Dr. Mole, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, Wendy. I'm happy to be here. Excited. Well, wanting to tell the listeners a little bit about you and how you became a diabetes coach. Right. So uh, interesting story, I guess. Uh, not much of a personal story for me. It wasn't, I never had diabetes, although I did struggle at one point with uh, a little bit of high blood sugar, ironically, after I was already helping people with diabetes, which I'll tell you about in a second. But I think for me, it's more of a professional passion. It's something that I kind of stumbled into. I had had 
many patients coming in and practice with diabetes, and they were just very frustrated with the current medical approach, with the standard of care they were getting, which is mainly just drugs um, with very little advice. The advice that they were getting from their dietitians and uh, diabetes educators at the time was uh, just the standard stuff from the ADA, which is a high-carbohydrate diet, doesn't really make any difference, the quality of food, sugar is sugar, that type of thing. And um, and I just knew that that was wrong. It was just w- wasn't right, and it wasn't working for them. So I did a lot of research at that time. We're going back 15 years, but did a lot of research at that time, trying to really figure out, because I, I just knew that there was a better way. So I tried to figure out what can we do to... to uh, help these people more, thinking that it was going to be all about diet and exercise, which that is uh, a large part of it. But uh, it was like Pandora's box. I mean, just so much information about uh, what causes blood sugar to go up and how to really handle it. And uh, just became really interested in it. And then I think the ultimate is when you get results, you know, when you're working with somebody and they actually get better and they're able to get off of medications and many of them reverse their condition, uh, the thank yous, the excitement, the joy, seeing the blood sugar changes, uh, that just becomes very almost addictive and exciting. So uh, it was it was just more of a professional passion that originally led me into uh, working with people with diabetes. Uh, just to finish the story that I mentioned a second ago, uh, years later, um, I had gone through a business transition, uh, broke up a partnership, was under a lot of stress, uh, working too many hours, took a lot of burden onto myself, and uh, really let my health slip. I, I gained like 30 pounds or more, I think, at that time, and uh, started having night sweats. And uh, eventually, I, I uh, took out my blood pressure cuff and checked my blood pressure. And uh, my blood pressure was like 170 something over 94, something like that, really high. And uh, uh, my blood sugar at that point was, I was pre-diabetic. My blood sugar was was uh, over 110 fasting and uh, sort of had a wake-up call at that time. So uh, that uh, that's about my only personal experience and, you know, fortunately was able to uh, turn things around and get healthy again. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, what did you do to turn it around? I followed my own advice, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just went back to eating well, you know, exercising, taking care of myself, sleeping better, uh, got rid of the stress, you know, realized that I'm not going to get everything done, um, you know, in the time frame that I want to. So, yeah, I just followed my own advice, cleaned up my life, and unfortunately was able to lose, you know, whatever that 30 pounds that I gained. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a reminder that's always in the back of my head, like, Hey, nobody's perfect. Uh, you know, this can, this kind of thing can happen to anybody. And when you fall off track, you just got to wake up and get back on. I think it's a big challenge for health professionals like myself and yourself, because there's so many things you want to do and you want to help so many people. And we ourselves get very stressed out and our health can decline just like anyone else when you're too stressed and overworked, et cetera, et cetera, not sleeping enough. Yeah, absolutely. We're all uh, certainly at risk for these types of things. And uh, it becomes incredibly frustrating when you're trying to teach people something and you're not, you know, living it. So uh, fortunately, that was only a few months or maybe maybe six month period of time. And uh, I was able to write the ship. But some people, I mean, I, we have doctors that I know who live that way. I mean, they're, you know, they're a hundred pounds overweight and they're counseling patients on diabetes care. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about diabetes. Um, what is the prevalence of diabetes and what are the, the projected statistics on diabetes? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, right now, uh, you know, 26 million, I think, um, 90% with type two that's in the U S alone. Um, and it's supposed to triple by 2050, which is hard to imagine. I think uh, the average that's spent per year on someone with diabetes is close to $14,000. Uh, so that if that triples, you know, if diabetes triples, uh, our economy is going to completely collapse. It's amazing. And it's not just a U.S. phenomenon. This is now a global thing. It's growing faster in China and India than it is here in the United States. So, um, And then you look at this whole cascade of impact that insulin resistance, obesity, and diabetes has with heart disease rates, kidney failure, uh, Alzheimer's disease, and you know, inflammation, uh, driven conditions, uh, it's just staggering really. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it is frightening. What do you think is one of the under, the major underlying cause of this epidemic? Well, I think mainly it's uh, a deviation from our ancestral way of living. I mean, in, in a sort of a broad sense, uh, I, I think our genes are not programmed for the lifestyles that we lead today. Uh, again, high stress, uh, not getting quality sleep. Uh, the diets that we eat are very rich in processed foods, uh, high calorie uh, many times, but low quality. So uh, we're getting just you know bad uh, foods in our diet. We're leading sedentary lifestyles. Even if you exercise, you know, even if people get up and go for a you know a forty minute walk every day, that's still nowhere near what our bodies sort of evolved to to do. I mean, we were just we're meant to be moving all the time and be active. So um, I think it's all those things. Plus, you know, you can add into that uh, gut dysfunction, uh, immune system dysfunction, and um, you know, I don't know, there's probably dozens of other things that we could throw onto the fire that lead to this, uh, you know, this, this metabolic, uh, pile of dysfunctions. And I think diabetes kind of sits on the top of that, you know, it's sort of the, the pinnacle of metabolic disease of metabolic dysfunction. Yeah. And so, you know, I really urge people to get a glucometer and check your blood sugar, you know, the morning before you eat and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, make sure it's between 80 and 90 every day because you, you can't be healthy. Uh, unless your blood sugar is at that very, very stable level. Uh, so what does your blood sugar have to have to be uh, to get a diagnosis of diabetes? Yeah, good question. And, and uh, great advice, by the way. I think it's such an easy thing. I, you know, we have patients that come in with thyroid issues and hormonal issues. And I say, wouldn't it be great to be able to stick your finger and know what your, you know, T4, T3 level is you know, right away on a daily basis or a minute by minute basis? It's such great feedback. And people, for some reason, sometimes get resistant to checking their blood sugar, um, especially if they're not diabetic. But I think it's, um, I think it's such a great tool that we can all use uh, yeah. even if even if you don't you know really have any blood sugar dysregulation check your blood sugar before and after you eat certain foods before and after certain types of exercise it's a great feedback mechanism to know how uh, that is affecting your body and because yeah, um, why wait until you present with symptoms and go to your doctor and you've had years of damage to your body from high blood sugar absolutely and you learn a lot too it's uh uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, who wrote, you know, the four hour body talked about wearing a, a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor around for, for days and weeks and seeing how all his different activities and things affected. And, uh, that's, I think that's great. I wish we could all do that because it's, um, it's fascinating how, uh, you know, poor sleep, you know, will affect it. Or, you know, if you get, get a little cold, how it raises your blood sugar. It's, it's amazing the different things that affect it. So, you know, the next best thing is obviously pricking your finger and checking your blood sugar on a spot basis. Yeah. And but, uh, sorry to answer your question yes. earlier, I think, um, uh, you had asked about, uh, what yeah. was it again? Yeah. Sorry. What does your blood sugar have to be to get a diagnosis? Oh, right, right, right. Diagnosis. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think uh, pre-diabetes is diagnosed at 100. Uh, that's fasting, uh, fasting blood glucose through, by the way, a, a serum lab test, so not a finger prick. But 100 um, is uh, diagnostic of pre-diabetes. And then once it goes over 126, that's where diabetes is diagnosed. It used to be 140. They've adjusted that a bit. It's kind of an arbitrary number. I mean, I, I can't, imagine that a blood sugar of 120 is any different than 130 really. So it's, uh, to me, it's pre-diabetes and type two diabetes are really the same thing. It's just a matter of the degree. Uh, certainly if your blood sugar is anywhere over a hundred on a regular basis fasting, then you've got some blood sugar dysregulation issues. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, unless they get that diabetes diagnosis, they don't take it seriously with the diet and lifestyle changes. I've noticed that a lot in friends and clients and whatnot. Oh, I'm pre-diabetic and they're not, they don't take it seriously with making, making, you know, yeah. making the change they need to make to reverse that trend. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And, and I think doctors are to blame for that too. Now, some, uh, this isn't universal. I mean, some will, you know, really say you got to do something about this now, but I hear it often that their doctor told them years ago they were pre-diabetic 
And I said, well, what'd you do about it? And they said, nothing, just said to watch it. You know, so that to me is horrible advice. You know, that's, you know, again, waiting. It's like having a uh, small, you know, skin cancer growth. And because it's small, they say, well, we'll just keep an eye on it and see what happens. You know, uh, to me, you need to do something about that before it becomes, a, you know, a malignancy, you know, or something that that is is very, very difficult to handle and treat. Because the truth is, while type, type 2 diabetes can be reversed, it's not easy. I mean, once it gets to that point, you've you've broken your blood sugar system. I mean, it's permanently damaged. So at that point, uh, you're setting yourself up for a really hard road back versus if you catch it earlier, um, you know, when it's sort of hovering around 100 or so or slightly elevated, then um, you can really make long-term wholesale changes that can prevent you from really ever getting into the the diabetes range. Yeah. And diabetes, I, don't, I think people don't take it seriously enough. It is very, it's life threatening. Uh, my, my own father, he passed away from the complications of diabetes, but he had cancer and had surgery. And because of his high blood sugar, he wasn't able to heal from the surgery and his mm. uh, sutures broke and he bled out and he died. And that, that was from diabetes. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that diabetes can lead to cancer. What are, what are some other complications of diabetes that people can expect? Yeah, no, you're right. And the cancer connection is one that's not talked about often, um, but it is. I mean, certainly uh, it can speed the growth of cancer. Uh, cancer cells feed on sugar and they're not insulin resistant, whereas when you're diabetic, type 2 diabetic, uh, most of your other cells are. So what happens is uh, you make uh, insulin uh, to put sugar into the cells, but because the liver cells and the muscle cells and the fat cells are resistant to insulin, uh, you don't get that sugar in the cells, your blood sugar rises. Cancer cells, uh, because they're new and they're for grow growing rapidly and forming new, they're not resistant to insulin. So that insulin just you know, opens up those sugar channels, the sugar rushes into the cancer cells and, you know, feeds them like hungry Pac-Man and they just grow and proliferate. So yeah, having, having diabetes is definitely a risk factor, maybe not for the formation of cancer, but certainly for the spread of cancer, which is, is scary. Uh, but, you know, type two di or diabetes in general is the leading cause of adult blindness. It's the leading cause of adult uh, kidney failure and kidney disease. Uh, certainly sexual dysfunction in men. It can cause hormone imbalance. Uh, it can lead to um, peripheral neuropathy, which is basically like a numbness, tingling, or pain. Uh, typically affects the toes or feet. As you mentioned, it can affect wound healing and circulation. So uh, people with diabetes uh, traditionally ha are slow healers. So a small cut on a foot can get infected and next thing you know, you're in the hospital, it's becoming gangrenous and you're getting it chopped off. So these are scary, scary things. Diabetes is, and, and heart disease and stroke are probably the two biggest um, you know, consequences of diabetes. Alzheimer's disease is another consequence of diabetes. So these are, uh, these are things that are, are very real. And um, actually most people with diabetes, the way it's treated today, will develop one or more of these complications. It's a, it's tough. You're right. It's a silent killer. Um, and it's not, diabetes isn't the killer. It's the complications of diabetes, as you mentioned. People don't know they have high blood sugar. And sometimes because you don't feel it, unless it gets really high, uh, people don't take it seriously. But those complications will be forming in the background. And you don't want that heart attack or stroke or or kidney disease or, as you mentioned, uh, a wound that doesn't heal and turns septic to be the very first symptom that you have. Yeah, my grandfather died of renal failure from diabetes complications as well. Mm. He was 88. Luckily, he lived a long life. Right. But right. my father was 68. Wasn't so lucky. Um, so what are some of uh, the... the So we talked about some of the complications of diabetes. And so... I think a lot of people are in denial about the fact that they could suffer from these, from these complications. They just think it's not going to happen to them. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about that and how you can't just take your medication and feel like you're, you're okay or that you're not going to have other problems? So what is that fallacy and that, that belief that the medication is going to solve all your problems with diabetes? 
Right. Yeah, I think I yeah, I think it's wishful thinking. A lot of people um and, and again, this isn't all on the, the, the patient. It's a lot of times this is propagated by, you know, the standard medical system too, unfortunately, is that it's just all about lowering blood sugar. So diabetes is not the same as hyperglycemia. Hyperglycemia is the medical term for high blood sugar. And they're different conditions. Diabetes is much more complex. There's lots of reasons why the blood sugar can be elevated. Hyperglycemia is a symptom of diabetes, but it's not the only thing, and it's not it's not the the problem. You know, the problem is this metabolic dysfunction that causes the blood sugar to come up. Uh, it's not the blood sugar itself, but medicine. Uh, traditional conventional medicine typically is only treating that one symptom. So they're lowering the blood sugar and not really addressing the underlying root cause of why it went high in the first place, the the dysfunction that underlies it. And I think that leads to um, sort of this fallacy of safety. You know, people feel like, oh, my blood sugar's okay, so I must be fine now. No, no worries about complication. The research doesn't prove that out. Uh, there is a uh, a landmark study in 2008 called the Accord trial that looked at intensive blood sugar lowering through medications. And the people who had their blood sugar lowered the most with medications actually had the worst outcomes. They had higher mortality rate than, than the group that had it lowered um, moderately. So it's not just lowering blood sugar. It's about addressing the root causes of diabetes, which again is insulin resistance, it's inflammation, it's uh, extra uh, weight, particularly visceral fat, that deep abdominal fat that is inflammatory and uh, hormonal in a way. Um, it's hormone dysregulation, it's cleaning up the diet, it's getting out and uh, exercising and improving your fitness and your activity level. So all these things, your sleep, your stress, your immune health, gut health, all these things play into uh, why your blood sugar may have gone up in the first place. And just taking a drug to lower it is not necessarily going to protect you from diabetes complications. And I know my father, he took his medications as prescribed, and they, they didn't control his blood sugar. They did for a while. And I think uh, what a lot of people don't realize is after a while, for some people, um, it just it stops working for whatever reason. My father had right. blood sugar in the 500s. At some point, he was taking, he would say he was taking enough insulin to kill a horse um, mm -hmm. because he was a big guy. Um, but uh, so talk, talk a little bit about how the medications may not work for some people. Yeah. And this is, this is another kind of fallacy or myth that um, you can just cover, you know, a, a a poor diet with medications. And I see this with both type one and type two, because, uh, you know, people get tired of watching what they eat or they get tired of, uh, working on their condition, especially this happens a lot with type one because, you know, they may have gotten diagnosed at three years old and have been dealing with it for 50 years, you know, or 30 years. And, um, and they sort of feel that it's unfair. Many times they sort of feel like, you know, they didn't, cause this, they didn't sign up for this. So, uh, they don't, uh, many times there's depression associated with type one diabetes. So there's, um, there's this fatigue, you know, that comes with taking care of your diabetes. And so, so people oftentimes, plus there's a, a pressure from the ADA and from the conventional, uh, side of diabetes care that just says, eat what you want and just, you know, practice good, uh, medication management and you'll be fine. So what happens is people, uh, eventually loosen the reins. They start, you know, eating desserts again and sweets and breads and all these things. And, and then they just take more insulin. Like, you know, you mentioned your dad was taking enough insulin to kill a horse. I've seen people on over 200 units of insulin a day. It's insane. Um, and that amount of insulin is driving massive inflammation in the body. It's a stress hormone. It's a growth hormone. Usually they're going to end up gaining weight and it's the wrong kind of weight. It's the visceral fat. Uh, whereas um, if you really control your diet well and, and practice good exercise and sleep hygiene and all these other things that we've sort of mentioned uh, briefly, then you can really minimize your insulin use as a type 1 uh, diabetic, somebody with a uh, person with type 1 diabetes, or 
if uh, you're type two and you don't have, you're not using insulin, um, then you can limit your need for oral medications and maybe even get off a lot of them. You're right that they can become less effective over time too. Uh, many people uh, will start on metformin and it works for a while, but then seems to become less effective. Same thing with all the other medications. I find this particularly true with the gut drugs like um, uh, the DPP-4 inhibitors like Genuvia or the um, they're called GLP-1 agonists, the uh, Bieta-Victosa drugs. Those um, can be effective for a while, but they seem to sort of burn out very quickly. Um, and then there's other medications like uh, the older medications. They're called sulfonylurea drugs, which really beat up the pancreas. They sort of force the pancreas to release extra insulin. Um, and at some point, they can actually burn out the pancreas so that it, it just, you know, can't produce insulin anymore. And then, uh, uh, and then those drugs really have no effect. Yeah. Yeah. And what about drugs that cause diabetes? There's lots of research and new studies showing that statins, cholesterol-lowering medications, contribute to diabetes. And I personally feel that my father's uh, 10-year statin use uh, was partially responsible for promoting his diabetes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and that's I'm glad you brought that one up. That's probably the biggest one in use today that, that causes um we know it causes elevated blood sugar, hyperglycemia, but is also associated with diabetes risk, especially in women. And interestingly, it's standard of care to prescribe that to anybody with diabetes. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's sort of this catch-22. Um, I think uh, what happens is it depletes coenzyme Q10 production in the body because it blocks the pathway that, that your liver uses to make CoQ10. And CoQ10 is necessary for uh, proper mitochondrial function. So if you're not able to get that glucose into the mitochondria and produce energy, uh, and you have mitochondrial dysfunction, it can lead to muscle wasting, it can lead to heart problems, it can lead to uh, diabetes um, and, uh, and other metabolic issues. So, um, you know, some of these things can be improved maybe by supplementing, like supplementing some CoQ10 if you have to take a statin or you're sort of set on it. Um, but uh, if you can avoid statin use, which I think many, many people can by checking their real risk for cardiovascular disease, doing an advanced lipid panel, for example, to find out if you have the type of lipid particles that really uh, contribute to cardiovascular risk rather than just doing sort of the standard, you know, LDL, HDL, total cholesterol uh, panel, um, doing some other testing like coronary calcium scores to see if you actually are a plaque former or not, because a statin may be of no use whatsoever. And, and, uh, and again, they're not without risks. So if you don't need it and there's risks involved, including the development of diabetes, do you really want to be taking it? Yeah. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about uh, supplementation and how certain supplements can help to reverse diabetes and, and help people get off their medications by getting their body working better? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that a supplement can reverse diabetes. I don't think there's any magic pills. Um, yeah, supplements yeah, yeah. are sort of supplemental, right? But certainly can help improve insulin sensitivity. Uh, there's actually a lot of evidence. You know, it's funny, many of my patients, uh, regular, you know, standard physicians, uh, sort of will reject supplements because they don't think there's any science behind them. And really, if you dig through the research, there's a ton of science behind uh, many supplements. One challenge is that uh, if you just poke around the internet, uh, there's a lot of formulas promising the world, but if you really read the ingredients, it's hard to tell how much of something is in them, what form, you know, if, if anything lists sort of this proprietary blend of stuff, I tell patients not to use it um, if it won't tell you how much of each in, you know, ingredient is in there. And then a lot of times you'll see, you'll see all the right ingredients, but not in the right doses or not in the right forms, yeah. right? So, so you have to look at the research. Chromium has a lot of data behind it. It's known as glucose tolerance factor. It's a, a really good nutrient at helping your cells to um, uh, respond to insulin and, and open up those uh, glucose channels to take in glucose. There is a biotin, which is a, a sort of part of the B-complex vitamin, and it um, helps to uh, work with chromium in the same way. There's vanadium, which is a metal salt that has insulin-like actions, 
Um, and we usually ro rotate people on and off vanadium because it can uh, be uh, hepatotox, toxic to the liver uh, when taken in large doses for a long period of time. Same thing with cinnamon, by the way. A lot of people don't realize that, but there are um, a few, you know, the risk is probably tiny, but there's a few studies that show, you know, if you're taking a couple of teaspoons of, of uh, cinnamon every day, that it, it could have some uh, liver toxicity effects. So, um, you know, you, uh, you want to read the data uh, or work with a doctor who has, you know, a practitioner, holistic practitioner who, who um, is willing to do that. But these supplements can be very, very helpful. And, you know, I just mentioned cinnamon. If we compare that to the risk, uh, you know, the risk profile of even something like metformin, which is considered a very, very safe medication. I mean, they're, they're not even, there's no comparison, you know, cinnamon is, you know, world safer. Um, you know, very, there's probably been two cases reported of issues, you know, so, um, you know, most of these supplements are extremely safe, um, and there is a lot of data behind them. They're just not FDA approved. And one of the reasons they're not FDA approved is because the FDA doesn't have authority to approve them. Um, you know, they're, they're not even FDA uh, evaluated. So, uh, you know, a lot of doctors don't want to recommend them because they don't have FDA approval, but the drugs that do have the FDA approval are far more dangerous in many cases. So it's sort of a, an interesting point, but uh, fiber is another one that can be really helpful uh, for kidney protection as well as blood sugar regulation. Uh, there's various fibers like glucomonin, uh, there's inulin, there's psyllium husk, which is you know sort of the metamucil fiber. Uh, and of course, we can get fiber through whole foods as well. But um, uh, some others, alpha-lipoic acid is a great supplement. It's neuroprotective, uh, helps uh, uh, the uh, blood vessels and the nerves. Uh, protects them against uh, glycation, which is damage from elevated blood sugar, and also helps to uh, improve insulin sensitivity. There's herbs like bitter melon and gymnema, which is a, an Ayurvedic herb that's been used for thousands and thousands of years to improve blood sugar regulation. Um, boy, there's, there's lots more. Berberine is an alkaloid compound that has metformin-like effects, actually works on the same mechanism as metformin in the cell to improve blood sugar response. And there's been studies actually looking at it side by side with metformin. It's, it's equally as effective. Wow. Um, and interestingly, in the same dosage, so like 500 milligrams of berberine compares with 500 milligrams of metformin. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, and, uh, and there's many others. I mean, if you pour through the research, uh, it's staggering how many natural substances can help improve and regulate blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, how people can get off their medications. Um, because, you know, I'm a big supporter of, you know, healing your body and using natural means to reverse disease and so that people can get off their medications. But if someone isn't willing to do the work, if they're not willing to change their diet and change their lifestyle, they they have to be on medications to save their lives. Yeah. So, you know, quick disclaimer, I'd say slowly, carefully and with your doctor's help, um, <laughs> because you don't want to, it, it, you know, you don't want to just bury your head in the sand and say, I don't want to take drugs, so I'm not going to. No. And then your blood sugar goes up over 200 and, and you know, you're killing yourself much faster, you know, with, with elevated blood sugar than the medication might. Um, in the same vein, uh, I do think there's a natural way to do things. And I think it, you know, for somebody who's really committed to doing that, it, it may very well be possible. And, and I think there's a way to do it. Um, I always like to, and this is becoming a, a certified diabetes educator. This is part of the, the training that we go through is this sort of motivational interviewing and really hitting people's goals and finding out what they really want, because uh, that's something I didn't used to do very well. And I learned a lot by going through that because everybody has different goals. And I'm sure you see this as well with your clients. Some people um, may want to get off medications and reverse their diabetes. Others really just want to prevent complications, uh, sort of live a moderate, you know, healthy lifestyle and feel good. So uh, it depends on sort of what your goals are. What I look for is if somebody comes in and says, look, I want to get off drugs, I want to reverse my diabetes, but then they're not willing to give up 
you know, some of their favorite foods that are contributing to their condition, that's where we have a disconnect and, and sort of, we have to, we have to get a little tough love there, but, um, but you know, most people, uh, if you just meet them where, where their goals are, uh, they can accomplish a lot and, and not everybody wants to put the work into reverse diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tremendous amount of work. I know my healing program called mineral power. I've had people reverse their diabetes and they put the work in, they yeah. took their supplements and they did all the detox protocols and they ate the right diet and started sleeping more and reduced their stress. But it's a complete, uh, 180 for a yeah. lot of people. Are, it, I mean, it's, you have to completely turn everything you're doing on its head and completely change your life. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, it it comes in waves too, right? So somebody may uh, come in for a while and, and do part of the program and, and have some success with it and, and then disappear for a while and then come back and have a little bit more of a commitment and want to go further. So I think um, you have to be ready to make some of those changes. But, you know, I, I do want to encourage people if that's you and, and, and you are, you know, feeling strongly, passionately that that's what you want to do. Uh, it is possible, you know, and, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's just a matter of, um, I think customizing, I, I know, uh, you do, uh, some specific tests, which I think can be very helpful. And, uh, we do some other types of lab testing that kind of guides, uh, you know, a good, uh, you, you want it to be a good fit. You know, you want it, you want it to be personalized and the more personalized it can be, the more detailed your plan can be. And then the better you follow it, obviously, the better outcomes you're going to get. Well, yeah, let's talk about the testing that you do, because I know there's some some testing for diabetes that's maybe not as accurate as other types. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of testing and treatments that you do with your patients as a diabetes coach? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, and a lot of this comes from uh, functional medicine training. And, uh, you know, in functional medicine, it's about playing sort of medical detective, finding the root cause, uh, personalizing the approach to the individual rather than the disease. So instead of saying, oh, you have diabetes, you know, let's run this standard set of tests. Uh, we do those, but we want to go well beyond that to say, hmm, I wonder if there's any thyroid involvement. I wonder if uh, the adrenal glands are dysregulated. Maybe you're making too much cortisol or maybe you're in adrenal fatigue and you know haven't been able to regulate your blood sugar well for years. Maybe there's some gut dysfunction. Uh, there's tons of research pouring out now about the gut microbiome, the bacterial colonization of the gut and how that can cause inflammation and insulin resistance. Um, and then leaky gut or intestinal permeability where the gut barrier, the lining on the gut uh, is not uh, intact per se, and how that can lead to food allergy, which can drive stress, which can drive blood sugar up, can drive inflammation. So, you know, you know there's a lot to look at. And so it's it's about, first of all, doing a really good, uh, consultation, or we call it an interview with a client, new client, to find out uh, what their history is, you know, what their personal history is, their social history, their medical history, and see where, you know, get some clues on where there might be some dysfunction, and then customizing those tests to that individual person. So if it seems like, you know, there's uh, some inflammatory factors, like the gut might be an issue, we might want to go in and do some intestinal barrier testing, you know, testing intestinal permeability or, um, you know, looking at the microbiome, looking for parasitic infections and others through uh, some, you know, stool analysis. If, uh, if it seems like there's hormonal dysregulation, we can run some adrenal testing. Uh, I like the adrenal salivary testing because you can look at various hormones and check cortisol throughout the day and, and even at night. Um, if there's, uh, you know, signs of thyroid dysfunction, low T3 is oftentimes associated with diabetes. So, uh, actually doing a full thyroid panel, sometimes there's autoimmune components, so we can do antibody tests to find out, um, those are kind of all advanced tests. There's neurotransmitter tests. There's micronutrient tests where we look at, you know, blood cell levels of chromium and, biotin and zinc and alpha lipoic acid and carnitine CoQ10 and so forth. Um, but I think even on a more basic level, uh, just looking at some things like insulin, you know, insulin is the hormone responsible for putting sugar into the cells taken out of the blood. And nobody ever has that tested, you know, conventional doctors just don't do it. 
And to me, it's a it's a, such a simple no-brainer test because if your insulin levels are high, then we know you're insulin resistant and that can contribute to weight gain and, and uh, make it very difficult to lose weight. And you, we, it makes it very hard to regulate blood sugar. Um, advanced lipid tests, which I mentioned, mentioned earlier, most people with diabetes are just automatically put on a statin drug, but we don't really know from looking at a total cholesterol if they need that or not. So, you know, investigate a little bit further, find out if that's going to be really beneficial. In some cases it might be, but um, in many cases it's not, and there are risk factors. So um, infl inflammatory tests like high sensitivity, C-reactive protein is a simple one you can do. Um, and many times insurance covers these tests anyway, so it's you know, it's just it's just a matter of ordering them and knowing how to analyze them. Vitamin and mineral tests, vitamin D is a, is a must. Um, uh, deficiency in vitamin D, I should have mentioned that with supplements, but deficiency in vitamin D is strongly associated with uh, development of type two diabetes. So, if your vitamin D level is you know anywhere under forty, really um, on a on a serum blood test. Then um, you know you're, you're you don't have enough vitamin D, and and that can affect your ability to regulate blood sugar and use insulin properly, as well as other hormones. So, I think um, these tests are important. Uh, they do need to be customized, but uh, at the same time, don't expect your doctor to do them because they're just not taught to do them. So you have to be willing to sort of go outside the box a little bit. Yeah, it's hard to believe that a standard test that's run is that they don't run the insulin test. It's hard to right. believe that. And a lot of people think they've had it done. I think I've had that done. They'll say, but then you look and they haven't. And you say, no, you've had blood sugar. You've had hemoglobin A1C. And don't get me wrong. Those are important too. The hemoglobin A1C is one of the most vital tests. It's a, I call it a quality of life marker. And not just for people with diabetes. I think, you know, everyone should be having that done because it's a, it's actually a measurement of the amount of glycation or damage done to cells, in this case, uh, the hemoglobin on the red blood cell, and you can extrapolate that. So if it's, you know, anywhere really uh, above, you know, five and a half for sure, then uh, you know that you're having um, advanced damage done to your cardiovascular you know, cells, your vascular linings called the endothelium, your brain cells, your kidney cells. Uh, the the microvascular, the small blood vessels around the eyes and the feet. So uh, that's a very, very important test, uh, and everybody should have that done, blood sugar, blood count, and so forth, uh, metabolic panel. But those are, those are basics, and uh, many people uh, stop there. Many doctors stop there, and like you said, something as simple as a fasting insulin test is just not done, unfortunately, very often. Yeah. And so, obviously, you're an expert on diabetes, so uh, very fittingly, you host the Diabetes Summit. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I was very honored to participate, so to be allowed to participate in it. And um, why don't you talk about the summit and all the amazing presenters and what people can expect to learn? Yeah, it's uh, I'm really excited for it this year. It kicks off March 23rd, um, which is just uh, now a short time away, and uh, it's eight days. We have 40 uh, presentations. Uh, they're video just like this with some slides interlaced to highlight some uh, key topics. And um, just I was blessed to have some amazing people, uh, you included, Wendy, uh, to volunteer their time to come on and share uh, just a wide range of topics related to diabetes. We have Dr. David Perlmutter talking about diabetes in the brain, uh, Tom O'Brien talking about the gut and gluten and diabetes, Dr. Amy Myers talking about autoimmune connections. We have some people specific to type 1. Um, People in the type 1 community would know Gary Shiner. He's a diabetes educator and Carrie Sparling. Uh, there's Dr. Jody Stanislaw, who's a, a naturopath who has type 1 diabetes herself and talks about how she manages her own condition naturally. Uh, Michael Murray is another naturopath who um, has written uh, several books about diabetes. Uh, we even had Joel Furman on, who's... Um, uh, he didn't like when I when I called him a, a vegan advocate, but he uh, he uh, yeah. well, he is right. <laughs> he says he's a 
just an evidence-based advocate for diabetes care, but uh, he does encourage more of a plant-based diet. Um, and uh, but he, you know, I learned a lot from Joel. Also, great guy and uh, very passionate about his um, approach to diabetes care. I tried to present sort of a a well-rounded um, approach. We have. Uh, uh, many, many others, Mark Sisson, you know, from Mark's Daily Apple fame and uh, the low-carb dietitian Francisca Spritzler, uh, my good friend Cassie Bjork, who's a uh, you know, dietitian, Cassie, uh, Christo Recchio, Diane Sanfilippo, nutritionists. Uh, we had a couple of pharmacists on, Susie Cohen and Isabella Wentz. So just a very wide range of speakers uh, with all different uh, expertise on hormones, diet, lifestyle. We had a couple of fitness experts on. So I think um, you'll uh, learn a lot for sure. It's free, which is great. And, um, you know, you can spend eight days just sort of uh, learning all about uh, blood sugar health, diabetes, and how to reverse it naturally. Yeah. And I think it's really important for anyone uh, if they have diabetes, pre-diabetes, or even are experiencing mild mild health symptoms. <laughs> it's a good idea to engage in the summit because the chances are it's one and two uh, that you can get diabetes right. in, in the future, right. the very, very near future. That's what it's projected to be. Um, so I, I encourage everyone to to go to the Diabetes Summit. What's the website? Oh, sure. It's just thediabetesummit.com. And uh, I know uh, you've been posting some things, sending some emails out. You probably have a link there. So probably just click on your link. That's probably the easiest way to get there. And, um, you know, it's again, it's free to register. You get some nice bonus gifts when you register. And that way we'll stay in touch and uh, you won't miss any of the sessions. Yeah. And so why don't you talk a little bit about your diabetes coaching program? Sure. Um, yeah, we do still work with people remotely. Um, I do uh, basically six and 12 month programs, depending on the situation. Everything's very customized to the individual. Uh, we'll run specific lab tests, uh, typically to start, take a look at what you've already done. Uh, we start with a uh, with an interview that we do uh, typically over Skype, and then uh, we'll put a plan together for people. It's uh, largely lifestyle, dietary based. Um, again, very customized to the to the individual person. And uh, I work with all types of diabetes. Um, I don't take clients out of the country with type one because it's uh, a little bit uh, hairy, um, but. Uh, anybody uh, in the U.S., you know, I'm happy to work with. And I do specialize more in type 2 than type 1, but uh, we work with with people with all conditions. Um, and mainly, though, it's people who are looking for more of a natural approach. You know, I'm a certified diabetes educator, so I mean, I can help people with making sure that their, you know, medications are lined up properly and they're um, following their doc doctor's advice in the right way and that they're getting all the right tests done and they understand proper foot care and eye care and, and all these other important things with diabetes. But, you know, mainly it's people coming to me who are looking for more of a natural holistic approach who really want to address the root cause, who want to use diet and lifestyle rather than just depending on drugs and medications. Yeah, I think it's a very, very good idea. <laughs> so this probably goes without saying, but I have a question I like to ask all of my guests. Sure. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Yeah, you know, I would even go beyond diabetes. And I, I just think it's... Um, I think it's long-term chronic disease due to uh, sort of this metabolic disaster that uh, has befallen us due to, as we started our conversation, uh, living a life that's removed from, I think, the ancestral way of living. Uh, too sedentary, uh, diets that are, that are too high in processed foods, uh, we're not eating enough real whole foods, um, stress, poor sleep habits, gut issues, inflammation, all the things that we've talked about today have led to this, uh, again, this metabolic um, disaster is what I call it. And, and what stems from that is diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, uh, cancer, and many, many other conditions that are just linked to this uh, chronic inflammation and metabolic disease. So that to me is is the core issue. And it's more than, to me at this point, it's more than an individual problem. It's a social problem. And we really need to find big ways to address it. Uh, school programs, you know, for kids, getting the junk out of our own homes so that we're raising the next generation in a, in a, in a, in a way that is 
um, more aware of the foods that they're putting in the body and how they affect us. You know, the the global think, so to speak, I think needs to shift and change. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mole, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate it. And why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can find you? Sure. Um, my website is easy. It's drmole.com, D-R-M-O-W-L-L.com. And uh, really, uh, there's a lot there, blogs, uh, access to video blogs that I shoot every week, lots of information. And uh, the diabetesummit.com is is probably the, the hottest thing right now. That's where you're going to get a lot of free information. Uh, get to tune into Wendy's talk as well, yeah. which was awesome. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll stay connected that way also. What were some of your favorite presentations at the summit? Besides mine, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're all so great. And I've, I've done them over uh, several months. So uh, I, I love talking to Dr. Perlmutter, you know, I feel like honored if I can get on the phone with him for an hour, it's like I'd pay tons of money for that. So, uh, that was valuable for me. Uh, I interviewed, uh, several people, which were, I really had to work to get, um, Roy Taylor is one of them. Um, he's a uh, medical physician over in the UK and he's published, he's more of a scientist. He's published a lot of data on, uh, reversing type two diabetes with diet alone and a very well-known, very well-respected scientist, but, uh, you don't see him a lot in, in, um, you know, the blog and internet world, uh, Dr. Jason Fung, who is making a name for himself. He's a, he's a nephrologist, a kidney specialist, but really focusing on diabetes and obesity, uh, through fasting and other means. Um, so I think those were probably some of my favorite. I love talking to, um, uh, you know, my nutritionist friends, uh, all of them, Krista Recchio is one of my favorites and, uh, Cassie Bjork and Francisca Spritzler, Diane Sanfilippo and you of course as well. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. Thanks for coming on the show. Everyone tune into the diabetes summit. It's going to be awesome. March 23rd to the 30th and we'll see you there, Brian. Thanks, Wendy. Appreciate having me on. And stay tuned. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. You can find me on livetoone110.com and my healing detox program called mineralpower.com and my new online health program, a guided 30-day health program called bodybiorehab.com. Go check that out. And again, thank you for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.